Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. You won't believe this, but today we're talking about video games. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast fluent in gaming. My name is Paul Romalo, and we've got an extra special episode today since all five of the Region Free Gamers crew are here. Uh, first up, out of the Bronx, Anthony Ariaga. Briax! I still don't know what that is. No matter how many times we repeat it, I don't know what that is. What's up? And it's, it, it kills me every time. It kills me every fucking time. Anyway, out of the Netherlands. Jeff. Brexit. <laughs> I don't know. Jeff, I forgot to ask you before the show. I forgot how to pronounce your last name. And so, like, I got to Jeff and I saw your last name and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Ivets. Ivets, yep. Ivets. Yeah. So, not. Okay, all right. All right, Paul, edit that in. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Black. <laughs> Out of Rhode Island, Arnaldo Perez. Hey, yo. What's up? And out of Brooklyn, Ozzy Garcia. Impeachment. Since you went with, <laughs> <laughs> Since you went with Brexit, Jeff, I, I gotta yeah, yeah. do my part. God, this is already off the fucking rails. I think I think we just, oh my God. everybody's personalities just came through on the intros, right? Just right there. That's it. Yeah. You know everything about us just with that. You should just you should just censor Aussies. Nobody else is just Aussies. You're gonna be my mic? Well, people I didn't will know. wonder. The gentleman will not said. yield. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know Jeff was a seven year old Brit. <laughs> Like, this is new to me. I thought you were my age, Jeff. <laughs> Anyhow, before we get to today's topic, I must thank everyone for listening and interacting with us on social media. Obviously, oh, yes. we enjoy working on the show, but when we see that people are listening and interacting, it, it it's like the difference between talking to a group of people and talking to a wall. <laughs> and this show wouldn't really keep going if we were just talking to a wall. Yeah. Now... Let's not alienate the wall talking people. They're part of the audience too. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm totally a wall talker. But like the wall talker doesn't quite give back enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's not a dialect. Yeah. I get it. No, no, it's not. So again, everyone, thanks for listening. Tell a friend and don't forget to leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app. Five stars, please. And if you have left us a review, thanks very much. Uh, obviously, we really appreciate it. And uh, as for today's topic, it's kind of fluid. Um, it's mainly born out of the fact that we've got two new crew members on board, but our introductions for them, I don't know, I wouldn't call them half-assed, but like, I think <laughs> they were full ass. I think Jeff and Anthony deserve a full ass. Right? <laughs> yep. Oh, we need, we need full, I'm all about the full ass. Yeah. Full ass. Yeah. So we're going to learn, we're going to learn a little bit about them. Um, and I guess a little bit about the rest of us too, just yeah. kind of through the lens of our of our favorite hobby, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, really, I mean, Paul, it's it's really we're calling it a reintroduction episode because we recognize that we've come a long way, sort of fish, uh, in the last two years, and we are fifty episodes deep at this point, and it's it's really kind of a, a you know kind of a, a reality check of where we are right now so even you know with jeff and anthony coming on it's also good to see where 
you know, the, the veterans of sorts, you know, are and, you know, kind of touch base on, on getting to know us a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess the, you know, Ozzy, I'll go with your suggestion that you made earlier and we'll start Anthony. Anthony's in a rush today. He might end up leaving us early. We'll see. No, no, I'm um, good. I'm good. Have to, it's just, I might have to throw him fine. overboard halfway through the recording. <laughs> It's just, excuse me, just IHOP. <laughs> you don't, you don't understand that Canadians are without IHOP, sir. Yo, you know it's funny because there's no IHOPs in Canada. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Actually, there is. I think there's like one in Niagara Falls. I and, know. Uh, it's the International I mean, House of Pancakes, Paul. It's international. Oh, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I think I think IHOP is just as international as the World Series baseball is is also international. <laughs> hey 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 Jeff Jeff, <laughs> uh, stop it! And God, he just, we're recording this right after uh, the New York Yankees lost um, in the postseason, and Jeff unknowingly oh has no. just the wounds oh no. of his, his thumbs, his <laughs> British thumbs, into the wound, the festering open but wound in Yankees. Anthony's heart. Oh. Everyone loves the Yankees. Oh. oh, I could tell by your by your tone, Paul, that everyone does. <laughs> Paul has been a fan of the Montreal Expos for years. <laughs> this is hey, your listen, year. They're in the then. World Series right now. This they, is your year. They are in the World Series. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So yeah, our R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Yankees and Anthony. Why don't you? Uh, <laughs> why don't you help us? Or why don't you help yourself forget your pain and tell us about some of your hobbies outside of gaming? Um, man, hobby. You know, it's funny because um, I used to I used to play a lot of sports, and I guess my body has become it's be it's been failing me over the past few years as I age. So I look back fondly on that. But uh, other than that, man. Um, the thing that's I've been keeping busy outside of the podcast is is really doing my stand up. I uh, that's always been a thing I I've done, uh, kind of like st- touch and go here and there, but like uh, just mainly because of the kids, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't really had that much time to dedicate to stand up full time. But like lately, the kids are just big. They're sixteen. They're going IHOP without me. I mean, it doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> you know, they're living their own lives. They're living the dream, man. So. Um. Yeah, man. It's 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 a. Uh, I think. I yeah. I think it was. It's a. It's definitely become a hobby. It's a hobby. Doing stand up is crazy because it's it's nerve wracking. It's a creative process, and at the same time, when you when you hit, you just feel like a million dollars, man. You know. Yeah. It's well, a million's not that much, yep. but maybe like a trillion or something. You know. <laughs> uh, so what's uh, <laughs> Anthony? What's what's the plan now? Because I know that you just got back into it, and I've been to um. At least one of your sets. Oh, you saw, you saw that first set that I did in the park, which was the yeah, weirdest yeah. thing. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was in the Bronx. Um, yeah. It was in the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and I was expecting a bunch of rowdy Puerto Ricans, and it was, oh, yeah, it was family, you know, Puerto Rican families, which was very nice. Um, and Anthony talking about his family, <laughs> which was yeah. good. Um, but what's kind of uh, the plan? Do you plan to, you know, continue hitting up the, the various um, open mic sessions and, um, and try to get on the circuit here in New York? Um, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I, I, I have a lot of connects, you know, like I stayed cool with a lot of people and everything. So mm. even though I wasn't doing anything, I still stayed in contact with people, still writing, you know, on the side. And, um, I think, I think the motivation for me to start doing stand up again was this podcast. 
I think it was just like we started doing, you know, I, you guys brought me on. We're, we're getting this podcast going. I'm, you know, writing stuff for this. And, you know, we, I hosted that episode. And, and then the creative juices just kept going from there. And I realized, like, you know, a good way to promote the podcast would be, like, if I'm on stage somewhere and, you know, they introduce me as, you know, one of the hosts of this show, you know? Yeah. And yeah, and I just and I feel and I and I think it just it goes hand in hand now with me. Like I feel like that it's the perfect marriage doing this podcast, doing stand up. I'd feel like for me <laughs> personally, it's just like the perfect like just sync, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever do comedic writing or something along those lines? Since I know a lot of stand up comedians, they also have their hand in you know TV writing, etc. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I think writing for me is a lot easier. Um, I can. Um, almost do it like with like on the fly. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can I can sit down and just start writing and just come up with something real quick. Um, so I've always I've always wondered about doing comedic writing. Like I I think I'd be really good at that only because I know that when I would do a lot of shows and I would host a lot of uh a, a lot of events and whatnot, uh, other comics would come up to me and ask me for advice on their jokes. You know, oh nice. And I was always really good at like figuring out the better, the best way to deliver their their jokes, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny because I don't really do that for myself. So, <laughs> like, so somebody would always come up to me and be like, "Yo, you know what you should do with this joke?" And I'm like, "Yo, fuck you! It's my joke, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you to tell me what to do?" <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, but I, I mean, with that being said, though, you know, it's it's funny because like I I always felt like I could do that i could be a comedic writer in some in some mm. fashion you know but like i think i think i'd want to start small with like skits and stuff you know yeah I think writing a skit is pretty funny i always thought um i always thought that was the goal of like the stand-up is to get out of stand-up and do writing yeah yeah i think i mean i haven't really thought that far ahead you know what i mean like right now i'm just trying to craft this i i yeah, and I, you know, and it's cool because every time I do something, I send it to you guys. I said, I'll send you the whole video, you know, just mm-hmm. for, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's, um, I'm just trying to like hone everything. It's like everybody was telling me the other night, like the other night, I had like my first real show, it was the first show that I had, and mm-hmm. everybody was like, man, it's like riding a bike for you, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that's a cool thing to hear, like. When you haven't done stand up in two and a half years to go up on a stage and people look at you and think, oh shit, that was, you don't look like you've been off stage for two years, yeah. you know? Well, and doing stand up in New York, you know, that's, that's its own sort of beast right there. It's oh. not like you're doing stand up in, in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's definitely the Mecca. Like you, you really, for stand up, New York is definitely the Mecca. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because I've met so many comedians, like real, like a, a professional comedians people that you've seen on netflix and stuff i've met oh, them wow. just in passing just at the club mm-hmm. like hey what's up man oh hey and it's so cool you know <laughs> it's one of the best it's one of the best uh vibes you can be a part of um when you go to a, a comedy club on a friday night and even if you're not performing you know everybody there and you're saying what's up to everybody and you're just chilling yeah you know right on man so as ozzy was telling us earlier we got to keep it moving because we got five of us here. So <laughs> I got to go to Jeff. Jeff, I got to ask you what kind of stuff you do outside of gaming. Yeah, I was thinking about what else I get up to. I'm definitely somebody who I have lots of little interests. Um, mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I, and I don't, I try not to say, it, but I'm just going to get it out there. Obviously, I like to travel. 
Um, oh, hey. oh, damn, you scooped my joke. <laughs> Shooting from the hip, yeah. But um, I mean, I, I can't say that. I live in a country where I wasn't born. I've lived in many countries. So, like, I clearly, it's a big part of who I am and what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I watch a lot of old anime. Uh, I read a lot of comics. I have a really, like, I like my vinyl collection. So, I have a lot of little things. Um, definitely sport so being english um i brought i was brought up uh so uh, you know being told to like football uh, soccer on soccer yeah so like i'm a i'm a huge arsenal fan which is a team in north london um and that's, poor and man. that's something poor i've man. i know but i've gone through i've gone through waves <laughs> of of my it's, it's funny like when when they're winning it's amazing how passionate i am and when they're not winning it's amazing how indifferent i am to their uh their performance but really for for that like i went through a big period where i was always going to highbury uh which is the old stadium i had season ticket one year so i was really into that but since i left the uk i've really drifted away um mm. so so apart from that i think i definitely just um, i pick little things up but my mm. main hobby really is gaming and then the rest of it it, it all comes all comes after yeah yeah it's yeah. hard it to have too many hobbies you know when gaming is such a a time commitment you know, yeah. it's it's just kind of like you got to pick and choose how you spend your leisurely time, particularly when you have to, you know, actually work. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't yeah, work, work, then you're going to have many hobbies. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's, that's the that's the place I find myself where because I'm, I'm living in Holland for what because of a job. So mm. there is like an even more of a sense of commitment towards that. Yeah. So. I'm probably doing more hours than I was doing if I was working back in London. And I'm also, because of where I work, so I work for Nike. um, And at work, we have all the sports stuff available. So I do a lot of sports after work. So I naturally spend a lot of time on the campus we have. So it's like Mm -hmm. a lot of my time and my social life is tied up with work and people at work and friends I've made. So it's a really, I'm really living that expat life, which is quite Mm -hmm. time consuming. Yeah. I will say, I find it that interesting. Is... Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. No, no, go ahead, Arnie. Oh, I was just going to say um, what you were saying about uh, Arsenal before, how like when you were in that space, it was like so much easier to be passionate about it. And I sort of felt that as well with the teams that I root for, especially when I wasn't living close to them. Because I feel like when you're in that space and you see other people that share that same fandom that you do, it's a lot easier to sort of immerse yourself in it. Whereas when you're somewhere where people just don't care, you don't want to be that one guy walking around with your jersey and somebody be like, yo, fuck you or something. (laughs) That's why I never go to Boston. You still root for the Patriots. I do, but now I'm in New England, so I'm amongst my people. Yeah, among <laughs> assholes. Yeah, yeah, mass holes, please. <laughs> I find the same thing since moving all the way to the Yukon. Like the interest in sports. Like when I was in Toronto, it's it's one thing when you're kind of like enmeshed in it and surrounded by it. Like all yeah. the media is like Raptors, Blue Jays, Maple Leafs, and you know you can't help but kind of get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. But living up here. Like, I mean, people still watch hockey at the local bar. And when the Raptors were in the finals, that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. But by and large, people are just like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
Let's go to you, Arnie. Now Me? you just moved this morning, so I'm I'm not expecting to. Oh wait, no, wait! You just had furniture delivered. I did. Yeah, he moved last week. You moved to your new place like a week ago, right? Yes. All right, you've had an entire week to think of answers to this. So <laughs> hit me, man. What other hobbies do you have? Um, much like Jeff, I also like to travel. I enjoy long walks <laughs> on the beach. Um, <laughs> are, are you a layback kind of guy? I am. Uh, you know, I think my weakness is you that like to I laugh? care too much. Um, <laughs> I'm a very generous lover. He um, watches The Office all the time. The I Office do, is the I best. I love The Office. Parks and Rec all day. Um, no, okay. So we're just skipping you is what you're saying? Like, <laughs> yep. He's definitely getting fired. This is his, uh, <laughs> his resignation letter, as they say. <laughs> this is his I don't give a fuck moment. <laughs> um, no, so aside from gaming, I mean... A lot of it, like Ozzy said, gaming is is so time consuming and especially now, like I think that's part of the thing that people may not realize is that despite the fact that we do come on this show and and bullshit a lot, like a lot of work goes into it behind the scenes, getting ready for things and preparing for stuff. So that's really taken up a lot of time as well. Like when we pick a game or a series to play, like most of us try to play that game or, you know, watch videos on it or read about it or, you know, sort of figure out what we're talking about, like really get into that. And so that's where a lot of my gaming time goes now. Um, But outside of that, you know, I really like board games. Board games are another huge thing um, that I was doing a lot of when, uh, before I moved, because I had a little gaming group that role-playing games like D&D and stuff like that. Um, I also watch a lot of anime like uh, Jeff was talking about. So it really is, I think I've always been, I've always needed something, you know, like I can't just sit and be quiet. I always need to have something in my hands or be interacting with something in some way. And so like media, especially like pop culture media, like not uh, like give me, you know, a crazy anime from like the nineties over like a Ken Burns documentary any day, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, <laughs> and I meant to, I meant to mention when Jeff was talking and then he went to Arsenal and I got depressed for a moment and I forgot, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I finally rewatched the end of Evangelion last night. Oh my God. Oh wow. Oh man. Why? Here we go. Why? Dude, that, <laughs> that movie is like, I mean, the whole series is just a giant mind fuck, but like <laughs> that movie, especially it's man, it's, there's like 10, 15 minutes in the second half where it's just an acid trip, isn't <laughs> yep, it? Yep. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> but anyhow, like that is that, that movie is just a friggin so obviously after watching the movie i don't know if you guys have done this please tell me but like mm-hmm. after watching it after watching the series i immediately went online because there's <laughs> every time i watch that movie there's always stuff that i noticed that i didn't notice the last time i watched it because yeah. it's so like it's so dense with imagery and and you know nonsense and my god just looking up Evangelion anything on the internet is just this giant rabbit hole. <laughs> I I intended to get like good sleep for today's show because I'm most of our listeners know that we record early in well I record early in the morning. Yes. You guys record in the morning. Um and Jeff in the afternoon. But uh yeah, like I I spent at least just like an hour, hour and a half looking up you know all the theories and explanations and blah 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 like did you guys did did this happen to you guys too 
you became a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> which is what it is. It's conspiracy yeah, theory. I mean, for I, if anime. I was in England, I would vote for Brex. I would vote for Brexit <laughs> if I was in England. Like I'd be that guy. <laughs> Because you want them to build the Avas. You're like, this is the only way that they will build the Avas if we secede from the EU. Dude, that sounds like that sounds like a Trump plan, honestly. We're gonna build the wall, we're gonna build some Avas, and the rest of the world is just gonna have to deal with it. You know, the thing about Evangelion on the end of it, I only just watched it this uh, year when it came out on Netflix. Mm. Um, and it was very good for three quarters of it and those last two episodes it's almost like they just said fuck it like i don't want to do this anymore i'm just kind of like <laughs> it really is yeah, like <laughs> i i'm just gonna throw something else entirely and i'm not gonna finish this whole shit um <laughs> I, I think as well with, with evangelion they've cut it so many times uh and re-edited it and tried to yeah. tell, tell it in a better way like Netflix only has that original series and that's the most messed up story-wise like that's the hardest to follow mm-hmm. but um, even the but even the change the changed versions you know at least from what i hear they don't even really do much of a better job in trying to you know make sense of the whole thing i mean i kind of get what they were going for i just don't know if it ever worked i agree uh, i agree with you Ozzy. the there's there's kind of like a retelling and it's just not it's not cutting it mm-hmm. like they, they gave it a shot and I don't really know why, to be honest with you. And plus, like the original was fine. Yeah, it's know. like, look, just stick to it. If if you wanted a massive head trip and you just like, you know, <laughs> threw your hands up and said, fuck this, then just own it. You know, just just go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So what we're trying to say is that Ev- Evangelion, mm-hmm. Evangelion was really the original Lost um where it really is i was thinking the same thing dude. everyone like, was just committed and then much... they're like fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't imagine what it because it's easy for me right like i just throw on netflix i can watch all 20 whatever episodes in a day or two i can't imagine like being a kid back then and having to pay for every single vhs that probably had like two episodes on it at a time oh, man, to get to wow. the end and just be like <laughs> you know what man what honestly <laughs> it was it was the best it was the best because i did that i was yeah. like i think i was like 18 when it came out here uh-huh and we didn't buy the VHS. There was um there was like a specialty rental store that had like a lot of B horror movies okay. and a lot of other shit you couldn't find. Yeah. And they had a very robust anime section. And so by the time we got into Ava, it was like I don't know, twelve episodes deep or something. Okay. And we were we were we were in, yeah. right? Yeah. And then obviously once you get to the second half, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And we would and so the new episode it would be two new episodes and it was every month on vhs and we would we would find out when the release date was we'd reserve it at the video store ride our bikes down there and go pick it up and it was like and obviously we didn't have internet back then so like like the phone calls would go out onto the network the new ava's here the new ava's here and we'd all get together at my place (laughs) and watch it and it was like oh my god this is amazing and then wait another month and do it again yeah and like I don't know. I'm. I know. I'm putting my old man pants on, but like, <laughs> it's not as it's not as special now because like you can just binge the whole thing, yeah. and there's not that sense of anticipation and like the extra effort you put in. Mm-hmm. I think like made it worth the it. fact that we rode our bikes down there. Yeah, yeah, like it really kind of, you know what I mean? Like it would. Now, to be fair, this is it is kind of artificial, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you put effort into something, 
into watching something or enjoying something, I think your brain will fool you into enjoying it more just because you put the effort into it. Like your brain is like, I'm going to fucking enjoy this come hell or high water. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think part of it too is like the enjoyment at this point, I would assume comes a lot from the memory of just like doing that thing, being with your friends and like watching it together and sharing that experience. Right. Yeah. 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 As much as much that as the actual show itself. In in my opinion. Anyway, this is quite the digression. I, can, I think I can hear Ozzy like fuming for us to get back on track. No, I'm fine. Um, I mean, we said that this is going to be Ozzie a very loose episode. We might lose some listeners and to all the listeners that we lose. I'm sorry, guys. All right, Hopefully we can, we can regain your trust. We'll do better next time. We always feared the devolution. We always feared the devolution of this series of this podcast into, oh, let's just talk about things that are not related to game at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it that's what it's careening towards. Yeah. Well, I, this is just this is just a one time conceit for us <laughs> yeah yeah i think but before we move on before we move on paul arnie tell us a little bit about what you do because you have a really cool job and people don't know about it are you allowed oh. to talk about it though arnie like uh yeah i can i just can't <laughs> talk about anything specific but it's hard to explain so my my job i guess in a sense because i don't really have a title but i'd be a um i'm an investigator that works with criminal defense attorneys so He's magnum pi basically wow without the mustache oh yeah yeah, yeah. stop so, selling guys so a lot less uh driving fast cars and having sex with beautiful women and a lot more reading medical records ah you know. that's how the puerto rican tom Selleck rolls really, yeah, really selling the dream on that one but no it's it's uh it's very weird always weird to talk about always hard to explain um, so how many times have you had to pee in a cup, uh, Arnie? <laughs> For my job, never. For fun, sometimes. <laughs> Any chance I get. <laughs> but that's a me thing. That was one of the hobbies that Paul didn't let me get to. I thought that was like a rite of passage in doing stakeouts, basically. <laughs> but no, one one of the actually, it's funny. One of the reasons I I really enjoy this job because I get to travel a lot, so I get to go to a bunch of different places. None of them nice. It's never. I mean, you can attest to that. I was in New York and I was in fucking Long Island the entire time. Um, At least you weren't in Staten Island. That's fair. that's true. Um, <laughs> Oh, but no. I wasn't, but one of the things is I get to travel. So if I ever have time, you know, if I, if I have time and I'm not doing anything else, I'll hit local game shops. I'll do, you know, little quick digressions when I'm off work and stuff like that. So that's always interesting. Cause I, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I travel somewhere, like, especially if I'm driving around the U S um, I always have to stop somewhere to look at games at least once even yeah, if it's like a game thrift stores or something. or something i mean yeah. like goodwill or you know whatever may come and i've found some really good stuff doing that yeah because yep. because you it's not your area so you don't know it could be bone dry it could maybe nobody here plays video games right. maybe there's know. a really big little samson <laughs> fan in that town and they just <laughs> passed away and yep and maybe <laughs> i get to have that little samson now who knows yeah maybe i'll find that uh these, these are the words of an unmarried man Honestly, because like I was I was in Vegas recently. Yeah. And even something as simple as a GameStop, I was looking at it as I drove by like longingly. Oh, and I looked at my wife and I knew there was no fucking way. We're not doing this, Paul. Not right now. This is our vacation. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. But it's almost now for you, Paul. It's almost like that's work, you know, because you run a podcast. Um, so maybe it's just like you're not gonna deal with any game stuff because that's too much like work, perhaps. I know. That's how you gotta sell it. You gotta be like, this is, honey, this is my job now. <laughs> I am a professional yeah, podcaster. That is the angle I should have taken. Okay, I'll have to remember that. This is research. I mean, Ozzy's right. Like, on vacation, I don't really want to look at games. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Except for like, Atrian Odyssey. Like, I'll bring my Switch along. Uh, yeah, of course. I'll bring the 3DS along and I'll play Atrian Odyssey. Like, come on, man. Um, but the actual, like, you know, shopping and procurement yeah. and, and Instagram and all that stuff, like, I just... No, not on not on vacation. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're not on vacation when you're working, Arnie. So, you know, this is this is all legit. Yes, that is fair. That is a good point. I didn't even think about that. I need to justify that to myself from now on. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is my other job. This is my more important job, really. Because if I'm not bringing entertainment to the unwashed masses, then what am I really doing with my life? <laughs> Um, so do you have do you have like one interesting work story you can share or are you like are you sworn to secrecy like my my brother-in-law is like this we he he just literally cannot talk about work because he works for yeah. like you know a government subcontractor and mm. some kind of whatever and yeah. the um, fact that i'm saying some kind of whatever obviously is proof that he can, he's not allowed to talk about it yeah so what about you um i can't think of any off the top of my head honestly it'd probably be like terrible travel stories more than like actual work related stories um dude peanuts on the airplane am i right <laughs> yo anthony what's the deal with that what the is deal? the deal with airline food <laughs> all right we're gonna we're gonna delete this whole thing right? yeah we're getting to inside baseball here. <laughs> um, ozzy 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 why don't you tell me about your hobbies outside of gaming well, I mean, just going back to what Jeff was saying and what, I, you know, what we were saying that gaming takes up so much of your time, you know, as you guys know, I've been kind of on a on a spiritual awakening moment where I'm wondering, you know, what can I dedicate my time to that provides me with the most value? And so mm. gaming has sort of been in the kind of jury, I guess, of the things that... I'm wondering how much time I should, you know, give to it. Mm. And considering that I spend, you know, a significant amount of time dedicated to this podcast, it's certainly something that I need to dedicate some time to as well. Um, but, you know, it's just as I get older, the time that I need to dedicate to games becomes much more significant. You know, so mm -hmm. your typical open world game at the minimum is 40 hours, you know, to yeah. get through the main story without doing any of the side stories etc and so it increasingly feels like it's just such a huge commitment that i i had to admit that i have moved away a little bit from it and um and i'm more interested now in kind of reading about games as a whole you know rather mm -hmm. than playing them sometimes <laughs> um which i feel like it's something that many people may feel but they don't want to admit um but i i do like the history of games and i do like you know the the industry and i like knowing how to preserve that history and yeah. um that's something that was a big part of the reason why i became involved with the podcast mm -hmm. and i've just really focused my efforts on that not necessarily spending 160 hours in a game i i don't think i can do that anymore it's 
it's become kind of impossible, really. Love. The last game I dedicated a significant amount of time to was Nier Automata, and that was like 35 mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. Um, and that's about as, as much as I can, really. And that was about a month, oh. month and a half. Um, so yeah. what that means is that I, I, I'm trying to find other things you know, to do with my time that I feel like I am getting a lot out of it and I'm getting mm-hmm. a lot of value out of it. Because you do get a lot of value out of gaming, um, but it's mostly just uh, not necessarily intellectual value, but like leisure value. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's doing something you enjoy. It's doing something that you can just disconnect from the world. And, and I do appreciate that. But like I was saying recently on my Instagram, it's just sometimes there's so much going on in your personal life. Sometimes there's so much going on in the world that you feel like, you know, there's a guilt involved in, in trying to take that me time. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to find that balance. But along the lines, what I've been doing a lot is I'm a huge film buff. So I, I've i been trying to watch films, but it's something that, again, it's just kind of not fit neatly into my schedule. But what I've been doing a lot of is just yeah. kind of reading books. Um, mm-hmm. Because as a New Yorker, I am, you know, usually traveling on the subway or traveling on the bus and... You know, I can just throw a book in my, you know, bag and just read it whenever. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not that type of person that just pops out their switch. Um, I don't know. <laughs> there's just something about it that I don't like people like looking over my shoulder, seeing when I, what I'm doing in Zelda. Um, yeah, so fair. I don't usually do that. Also, I don't want to have to fight to the death, you know, in order to defend my switch. I was um, about to say, like, that's that's the kind of thing that would worry me more than anything. It's it just happens. Like, it happens. I don't but, know why. Yeah. I think it's a psychological thing where I'm like, if I'm holding a 3DS, I don't care. But if I'm holding a Switch, I'm like, somebody please come take this from me. Clearly, <laughs> like, I don't want it's it. It's like, never <laughs> mind the Rolex. Let me have that Switch, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's uh, so it's uh, something I've been doing. I've been reading, you know, whenever I have a moment. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I'm reading a, a really interesting book uh, that was very popular some, you know, some years back, and it's Douglas McCullough's uh, John Adams. Um, mm. It does feel like we're living in very interesting times, in which you know, at least in the U.S., we're seeing kind of a, a testing of our democratic institutions, and so because of that, I've been very focused on politics and very very focused on you know the ideals of democracy and the ideals of the founding fathers and so uh, you know that book kind of fits within that i've been trying to learn as much as possible about what the intent of you know the founding of america was and you know why we should defend it and how to defend it you know in a modern setting mm-hmm. um so it's something that i've been very focused on and it's been front and center in my mind for a long time um, and of course, when I opened the, the podcast, I said impeachment, but it's it's something that it's really at the forefront of my head. And mm. um, and I know we're never going to be political, but I, I am a very political person outside the podcast and I'm not very shy about it at all. Yeah. Um, you know, because a lot of what I do as well on the side as a, as a professional is since I'm an attorney, I, I represent a lot of undocumented immigrants um, mm-hmm. and I help them get, you know, legal citizenship, uh, a legal path to citizenship. Um, so a lot of them are fleeing from terrible circumstances in countries that are facing the highest rates of violence per capita, you know, places like Salvador, places like Honduras. And, you know, many of them are, are young, you know, many of them are kids. And yeah. it really does feel as an immigrant myself that it's my duty to give back. And so it's it's a huge part of my identity and, you know, particularly with the attacks, you know, over the past few years and the rise of 
white nationalism and racism um it's it's really something that i feel like i had to do my part so mm-hmm. you know within those lines if you can tell i mean gaming kind of doesn't fit very neatly and so i try to fit the gaming in, in there you know as much as i can um and sometimes you know my gaming time only comes on friday nights when i can just unwind and that's kind of like the time that i'm allowed to just you know have for myself mm-hmm. um the rest yeah, of it i'm yeah. just kind of you know, trying to see how I can maximize my productivity and maximize my knowledge. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, that that was a very serious and <laughs> very long-winded <laughs> way of saying. But you know that. what, man? Yeah. Like, and and I mentioned this to you too. Like, I struggle with the same thing. Mm. It's not so much that I. I mean, I have I have more free time than you. Objectively, like I work a lot. Probably, especially during the summer, like more than I would say the average person. But with that said, you work a shit ton mm. and. I know I have more free time than you do. And I've still reached the point now where if I'm sitting in my basement gaming, if if I'm doing that for more than an hour, I just I start feeling guilty. Like I should be doing something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's um, really personal because I, I imagine that your wife, my girlfriend, I mean, they she supports it. She says, definitely, just do your thing. You know, I'll just... Dude, my wife doesn't want me around. Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you do your thing. I'll watch my re- my trashy reality and knit. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. No, it's it. I mean, it's weird because I feel like we're seeing it right. Like I feel like the industry is sort of moving towards, like you said, more open world experiences, and they want to just cram in as much content as possible. Because I feel like the average consumer is. I mean, if they're putting down $60 for it, they want to get, you know, X amount of hours out of it. Like the days of the sort of compressed, you know, 10 to 20 hour experience, even that might seem a little long, um, are gone for the most part. I think outside of maybe the indie scene. And now it's a lot of, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100 hour games yeah and that's why uh and that's why something like you know people give shit to this franchise but like call of duty that's why it's good because you know if you really want to you can spend your time on multiplayer and just kind of spend hours upon hours but if you just want to do a a quick single player run through you know it gives you your bang for your buck it's a michael bay movie and you just Mm -hmm. you know six hours in you're done but i think i think the other part of what you said is is big too you know like the fact that now you've enjoyed doing a lot of reading and learning and about the history of, of the medium. I think obviously we're going to see as it, as it matures, as it gets older, I think more people are going to want to start doing that because there's going to be a lot more history. I mean, there's, there's enough history to fill a million books right now, but I feel like the, the, the generation that was us and the people immediately after us that are now getting older are going to want to start learning about the things that they didn't experience and how, you know, this sort of all got going. Yeah, no, I think we really hit an inflection point now mm-hmm. in in gaming um, where you have a lot of people that came of age in the 90s um, and they really realized that we need to preserve this history. Yeah. Um, and so you see a lot of YouTube, you know, YouTube channels, you see a lot of um, historians, basically, uh, yep. for lack of a better term, that are taking up the mantle. So um, we're just kind of doing our humble part in this whole thing. Yep. Another boat in the ocean. Yep. Yep, Paul, tell us about yourself. To, good way to put it. <laughs> you know what? I will, but we got to take a break. First. All right. All right. All right so when we come good. back, I'll, I'll talk about myself for like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
All right, everyone, and we're back. And I guess I guess it's my turn. I'll I'll try to make it quick because it. it look, I'm like the next person. Like I prefer generally kind of listening to other people, you know, talk about their interesting stuff. And then when it comes time for me to talk, it's like, eh, you know, everybody's <laughs> kind of a little bit uncomfortable. I think to a degree, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're not getting yeah. out of this one, man. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Um, so like as far as hobbies go, I'm, I'm actually really lucky in that, like when I lived in Toronto, I had, I had hobbies, like obviously like hanging out with my friends, board gaming and mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Like all the nerdy stuff that we usually do, yeah. but moving up here to the Yukon has really kind of afforded me with the ability to spend a lot of time outdoors. So there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of creating stuff in the garage, woodworking, you know, that kind of thing. As you can see, like on, on my Instagram, I always like I often post like pictures of the room and this is all stuff that I've built. So, you know, that's a lot of fun. The and like Jeff was saying, I mean, you guys are going to shit on me, but traveling, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> it, it is it is a big deal. Like and, it you know, it doesn't always work out well. Like, you know, this summer, for example, did I tell you guys like did I share the boat story? on the show oh no. i don't think i, I don't did. think so no mm -hmm. no so like in august we had man we had booked this like eight months in advance there's a, a big lake that borders the yukon and british columbia it's called atlan lake and it's like i don't know 80 kilometers long or something like that and so we had a while ago ozzy you got to take away that chew toy from the <laughs> <laughs> Already did. Like I don't, I don't know why that chew toy is not like on a table or a mantle or whatever. Dude, count counterpoint. I he, think you should get your dog a microphone and he can just join us. <laughs> Dude, he has. A, you see, he's see? pissed. He, he knows we're talking about him. Dude, he has like he has a toy box, and I have like five chew toys on my table right now, and he just goes back to the toy box and grabs another one. It's a fucking asshole. <laughs> so the dog has outsmarted you, right? Like this is this is what's happened. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, please go for it. <laughs> so we had we had rented a houseboat, and we were gonna spend the long weekend on Atlan Lake in the houseboat. Hmm. And so basically, we we're just gonna kind of go, you know, beach it, do some hiking. There's like a gigantic uh, gl uh, glacier, the Llewellyn Glacier, Ooh. at the north end of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. So we were gonna go hike around that. And uh, what ended up happening was we got the boat and the weather was horrendous. In fact, <laughs> by the time we got back, the lady was like, that's the worst wind I've ever seen on the lake. Oh, sweet. It was so bad that like we were we were out on the lake and we had foolishly agreed to go pick up a friend of ours at the other end of the lake just for one night. Yeah. So we were like, well, we got to go get to her, right? The waves were not like... <laughs> The, oh my God. Like, I quoted Seinfeld at least five times when I was like, the sea was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> and so, like, against our better judgment, tried to brave the waves to go pick up our friend. And the waves smashed in, like, the front of the houseboat. Now, picture picture like a flat deck with a barbecue on it right like this isn't like a regular boat it's all very flat mm -hmm. and the front deck has a barbecue on it that's bolted in and it has like sort of a, a gate that's a little over knee high and it's built out of aluminum and so you open the gate and you step onto the deck 
and so on and so forth. Gate destroyed, like done. The <laughs> waves were hitting the front of the gate and that f- and sort of like that fence. And every time the waves did more damage, we were standing there and we were like, "Oh, <laughs> oh." <laughs> I want I want you to understand, Paul, that while while I'm very aware that this is probably a a modern looking houseboat with all sorts of gadgets, I for some reason am imagining you on a dark and stormy night uh, piloting what would probably be like an 1800s type of vessels (laughs) in like a call me Ishmael situation (laughs) as the waves roar around you. Smoking my pipe. Yes, correct. With your one peg leg. (laughs) You're you're not that far off. No, you're totally far off. I'm kidding. So yeah, like we, so we finally brought the boat back. Like we beached it for a night. The next day, the weather finally let up. We brought it back and the owner, because we rented it, the owner looks at it and (laughs) thankfully... Thankfully, she was like, okay, great. I'm just glad you guys didn't sink it. And we got our damage deposit back. Oh, great. And life was good. Nice. Oh, yeah. my God. So, like, you know, that that that's the kind of stuff that we do here kind of outside of gaming. <laughs> like, the gaming still plays an important part, but I think it's kind of important to have a balance where... You know, you have the gaming and you have like outdoor stuff and and other interests as well. Too much of one thing, eh? Yeah, you'll burn. Not so yeah, great. You'll burn yeah. out quick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, lately I've been playing. Um, lately I've been playing Slay the Spire on mm-hmm. the Switch, and it is probably going to be my game of the year. You know, like you guys won't let me make Etrian Odyssey Nexus game of the year. <laughs> I already know that, so like I have to pick something else. And Slay the Spire, like, I have to I have to actually make sure that I don't play it too much. Yeah. Because if I play it, like, you know, more than two hours in a day, I know I'm going to eventually grow to loathe it and resent it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do you, you guys have this problem, I'm assuming? Maybe not Ozzy, because, like, fuck, dude, it's hard enough just for you to find time to game, but the rest of you? Yes. I've definitely had games where I'm like, I can't play this for too long because otherwise I will begin to slowly harbor feelings of hatred for it. Oh, yeah. That has happened on more than one occasion, I'm sure. Yep. Same. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, like really with anything, right? Moderation is key. You know, that pearl of wisdom that did not apply to drinking when I was like 18. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, because it's, I think but it with applies. Anything, it applies now. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Not. no one gave me that memo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, especially because Slay the Spire is a roguelike, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that that for me is like, if I, if I, I get, I don't get easily frustrated, but when I get frustrated, I start sucking worse. Um, so roguelikes <laughs> yeah. are sort of like a cascade for me. It's like really enjoyable, becoming less enjoyable. I hate my life. I'm going to turn this off before I smash my television. <laughs> yeah, that 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 happened to me with uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Where, oh, yeah? yeah, I just... And it may be just be like open world games in general, but like for the most part, I just... I can't play for two... You know, I got I to gotta play them in spurts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's been times like... Like if I'm playing a game and I literally fall asleep while I'm playing the game, I think that's probably where <laughs> I've reached my peak. You know, like that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not a not a problem for Paul in his teens and twenties, the falling asleep <laughs> while playing a game. Like this is this is an old man thing. I'm I'm almost certain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, why why did I just piss in this bottle and why am I sleeping here? Because <laughs> oh, it was that good. It was, it was the best weekend ever. Just one more hand of poker. I can't believe how absorbent these diapers are. (laughs) (laughs) Anthony, since since you're talking, why don't you tell us? Because I don't think I know. Like, I I like to think that I can tell a lot about someone by what their favorite game ever is. Uh And obviously, that's bullshit. I don't know anything about people when they say that. But I like to think I do. Especially when most people just say, like, Ocarina of Time or something. Oh boy! No, fuck those people. Those see, those are people I don't want to be <laughs> friends bastards. with because they're and, just like, and there go the listeners. They're like Yankees fans, right? Like they oh, just you know, they, they latch on to the best thing, oh, and yeah. I knew I picked up a, a to, certain tone in your voice earlier. <laughs> <laughs> see, I want to be friends with the Arsenal fan, the person who suffers. You know. Oh, yeah, God. but Anthony, why don't you tell us about your favorite game? Ever. Ever. Um wow. Favorite <laughs> game ever. I was trying to think so I was trying to think of something that we that I hadn't discussed on any of the episodes mm-hmm. before. So I was trying to like go outside the box. And I actually came up with a game that against my better judgment of the console it's on, it was definitely a game that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an N64 yeah, game. Yeah, it's an N64 game. <laughs> so you do know me, Paul. <laughs> he knows my body. <laughs> and it's a Blast Core. Blast Core for Ooh. the Nintendo 64. Whoa. Oh, that's wow. a really deep cut, man. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I, I it just it was a just, hidden rareware gem. I I loved that game. It was it was a crazy game, man. It was just kind of like because I, I remember when I got it, I didn't even know what I was getting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Why were you playing this when you had a Saturn? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, something just feels off about this whole thing. I don't we think, all make mistakes. Yeah, that's why I said I wanted, to, I wanted to go a little outside the box on this one, you know? Um, and I, I, it's funny because of the, when I started looking at, you know, like I hadn't, you know, obviously I haven't played it in a while and I just started thinking about mm-hmm. it. And I just immediately thought of you, Ozzy, because you can't see the sky in this game. and it's also muddy because it's a nintendo 64 game right it's 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 just everything that comes together in a in a a pool of hate you know yeah but you know it's it's a game that makes you feel good about just tearing shit up yeah right like that's it right like sometimes you just want a game where you could just tear shit up that's it you know (laughs) and and it's by rare and you know rare and nintendo were just like locked in at that point you know Peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Nintendo needed Rare more than Rare needed Nintendo, honestly. Oh, for um, sure. At man. that point, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah. it was Because if, if, if Rare doesn't put out anything on the N64, you cut down the list of really <laughs> good games, no games from, like, right? 10 to, like, 3. <laughs> yep. It's just those they, three they Nintendo games. <laughs> then, um... So, then... Yeah, so I would, you know, it's funny because now, like, the, because when Paul sent us these questions and asked, you know, asking mm. about these particular games, and, and then I just, you know, went, like he was mentioning, it just went down that rabbit hole, you know? Yeah. And, and then I'm like, all right, I got to play this again. And I'm like, oh, but, you know, it's on the uh, compilation for the Xbox, 
you know, the rare compilation. Oh, it, oh, it's on the rare replay. Yeah, it's on rare. Oh, replay. yeah, absolutely, oh. absolutely, absolutely. And which, by the nice. way, just shout out to rare replay. I mean, that that is, that is one of the most fantastic compilations out there. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get man. to play Banjo Kazooie. You get to play Perfect Dark. You get to mm-hmm. play Conquer's oh. Bad Fur Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's one that I have been meaning to get back into, but honestly, it's almost uh, daunting, really, because there are so many games. Uh, no, no, that they they are in there on the on the on the on the low. It's almost like been forgotten about, but that is probably one of the best compilations you'll ever play. You'll ever get Battletoads is on there. You know, Ooh. yeah, that and the and the you know kind of like the Genesis collections that Sega has put out. Those are some of the best collections. Yeah, out there. I love oh, for sure. Yeah, so because there's just so much variety and stuff. And and by the way, shout out to Grab by the Ghoulies. Um, oh that my God. is a uh, <laughs> low key hidden gem from Rare. Actually, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I just couldn't carry on with that. <laughs> but it's yeah, but it's Aww. funny, man. It's so funny. Like I was really trying to. Um, uh, just think of a game that I hadn't mentioned before. Mm. Um, and, you know, obviously my favorite games I've already mentioned. So I was just kind of like, wait, Blast Core. Yeah, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause, and remember Blast- the Nintendo 64, um, you know, you, you, you got what, maybe a game, uh, a month. You know, maybe a game a year, if right? you're like, you know, so, so it's funny because game I wonder every six months, maybe because <laughs> I wonder, I wonder uh. if Blast Core would have been, uh, such a, a highly touted game if it had been surrounded by a bunch of other games being released around the same time, you know, because it was a little it was yeah. different. It was definitely different. It's like a, a puzzle strategy kind of game, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure people would have loved, you know, would love the game, but because it was like the only game you could play at that that month or let's say in like right 97, I think it was like March 97. If that mm-hmm. was like the only game that came out for the Nintendo 64 on that 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 month, then that's the game everybody that was playing that would had a Nintendo 64 was playing, you know? Yeah, I think that is one of the things that this that works in the 64's favor is that because the library is so small compared to other game systems it's really it's easier for games that you may not have like played on other systems to really stand out like if that game came out on the ps1 i think it might have gotten buried right yeah because there's like a thousand plus games on that system but in a i think it's like 297 games on the n64 like it's much easier to pick a weird game out like that and be like oh let me try this out and then it ends up being really good yeah oh crap and and it was was funny Um, because i was i was reading about it and they like they were they contemplated like doing a sequel at some point but like, uh, but they you. said that the, and it, I guess it's true, and I, and it, it's curious. I'm curious because I, I, like I said, I'd have to go back and just try it again and play it again. Because uh, mm. the obviously by now the physics must be just so not right. <laughs> like I don't think they're very realistic anymore. Those right? delicious chunky polygons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is that Charlie? Charlie knows. Yes. yes. <laughs> he loves Blast Corps. <laughs> <laughs> He's just looking at me like, did someone mention Blast Corp? <laughs> That's my joint. <laughs> That's my shit. <laughs> uh, Jeff, maybe uh, you should tell us a little bit about what your favorite game is. Uh, that's not like a link to the past. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I went through the same the same thought process as Anthony. You know, so I could easily name Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy VII. Um, Symphony of the Night, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think we've covered those sort of games in the past. So I was thinking, okay, is there something that was really influential on me and maybe something that has by and large been forgotten? 
and something that I I really really loved at the time, and it's something that really grabbed me and got me into online gaming was Team mm. Fortress. Um, back when uh, oh, yeah. when Half Life was like the big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's kind oh, yeah. of uh, Team Fortress is kind of the foundation now of all this hero shooters like Overwatch, yeah. etc. Yeah, um, it's really been a massively influential game, you know, in a very low key way. Um, really, multiplayer right now really is traced back to Team Fortress. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and I think that the big thing for me at the time was with Half Life. Not only was like that narrative that was an exceptionally well told story. Um, in a in a sphere in that FPS sphere, sphere where a lot of the games were like Duke Nukem, which were kind of tongue in cheek, they weren't super serious, and Half Life really changed that narrative. And then Team mm-hmm. Fortress on top took something that was fundamentally enjoyable and really got you pitted against people, but gave you that class aspect, which really made you feel like right, I can contribute in my way. Mm-hmm. So I would yeah. always pick a guy with a minigun or I was uh, like a more of a medic. So I knew I wasn't good at being a sniper. I knew I wasn't good at being like your general average Joe who can like use all weapons. So I really stuck mm-hmm. with a class. And I think for me, like I'm playing Ghost Recon Wildlands at the moment, uh, Breakpoint mm-hmm. even. And yeah. I- I'll be I'll be very honest with you. It's, it's a pretty terrible game. Oh. <laughs> but, but like with a group of mates... And it's like, right. Well, Ubisoft is definitely not going to send you any swag uh, uh, to promote it now. You mean I'm not going to get a, a six ton wooden crate full of t shirts and baseball caps? You mean I'm, I'm not going to get not. that anymore? <laughs> ah, that's <damn>. unfortunate. <laughs> but like, like they're, they're, they're one of the guilty ones of like, here's an open world game. It's like, no, this game doesn't need to be open world. It's open world. Oh, no, yes. no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't. Give us missions, give us objectives. <laughs> Um, They're like, please, please, Ubisoft, please stop. No, no, we know what's best for you. You're just going to take this open world right here. Exactly. <laughs> so, so in this in this squad of uh, with three other guys, I, I've got my part to play, and I think that's something that I've always had, and I do it when I'm at work as well. Like, I know what my strengths are, and I know what I'm not good at. Yeah. And I, I'm willing to admit that, like, okay, I'm actually really good at presenting and talking through something. But I'm not so great at building the process and really mapping things out. So when it comes to like the video games, if you tell me what you need me to do, if you if and if we continue talking, I'm able to contribute and help people who are better than I am at those games. Yeah. Um. So that's that's, that's something fair. that Team Fortress really kind of started imprinting in my mind about like how you don't need to be the best at the game, but you can still contribute to team success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas yeah, like yeah. things like Quake, I was terrible at. Like I really just yeah. got my ass kicked all the time. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's something. As you guys, as you were saying it as well. Like this is a hu- actually hugely influential, and it's the building blocks for some incredibly successful games now. And people don't realize that it, well, everything has to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. And that's and that is a very appealing thing now in a lot of games is the ability to contribute without being, you know, without having the reflexes of a 12 year old. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's true of like, I mean, you guys have all played Overwatch, I'm I'm assuming, or at the very least seen it like is Overwatch that kind of game? Because I've played it a few times and I've played like, you know, the healer and so on and so forth. But I feel like. I still always felt like I was terrible at it. I don't know. I haven't played Overwatch, so I can't really say. Um, I haven't played it, but I've seen it. Um, and it seems to have that kind of feel. But the impression I got from Overwatch, I could be completely wrong, that it's supposed to be kind of like 
MOBA-ish, but like first person MOBA, like kind of like League of Legends or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. kind of. I mean, you have like you know different characters that all have their own particular special skill. Yeah, and exactly. they all play differently. I mean, that's that's basically what the gist of it is. But I don't think we need to lecture our listeners on what Overwatch is. <laughs> no, we certainly don't. Know especially more than since we do. I assumed <laughs> everyone played it and nobody yeah, has. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we've established already that we're not real gamers, Paul. Yes. We're not real gamers here. <laughs> so Arnie, I'm. I'm gonna ask you, what's your like? What's your favorite game? <laughs> now we all know we all know it's Persona Four. So let's let's you know like set that aside. Yes. Wait, is it Persona Four? It is. Okay, so let's set that aside. <laughs> and what's what's your favorite game that you've never talked about on the show? Ah, uh, see, that's hard because you guys have let have let me get away with a lot of stuff. Um, like obviously, I've talked <laughs> Persona to death, and we've done an episode on it. Paul was gracious enough to give me an Advance Wars episode. Fire Emblem, we've done an episode on. Legend of Dragoon, I will eventually force one or more of you to play so we can do an episode <laughs> on. But I've also talked about it to death. Um, so when I was thinking about this, I was like, there's two ways I could go about this. Because the way I was thinking of it was there were two th- systems that growing up I played I played to death and I really, really loved. Um, I think my first love was probably... PCs like I I played a lot of PC games when I was much younger um mostly uh RTSs so like your Age of Empires your Warcraft 3s your Rise of Nations your Rome Total Wars that kind of stuff um yeah but I think if I'm really if I'm really thinking like memory wise like things that are that I treasure and like are really a part of my gaming like life still it's Game Boy Advance. Um, specifically since I've already talked about Advance Wars and I talked Anthony and me, I think had a little discussion on Metroid fusion uh, during our last game. It's probably yeah. golden sun is the one I would pick. I hmm. love the golden sun games. I don't know if you guys have played them before. I um, have, I have. And let me tell you, it's a game that when I first played it, Mm-hmm. Um, it was very interesting to me, but going back to it, it felt very generic, actually, after many, many years that I went back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, story-wise, I think it it is, you know, your typical... Like, there's nothing groundbreaking about it. I think the the real novelty value comes from the, the combat system, the Jin system, um, where... whereby equipping different elemental djinn to different party members gives them different abilities and makes them different classes. So, like, nobody has any set abilities. All your magic is determined by what djinns you have equipped to any particular character. And so that's sort of where the interestingness of it comes from, for me at least. And also all the amazing, like, ridiculous summons that they have that have, like, you know two-minute sort of animations on a Game Boy Advance screen <laughs> I always found extremely entertaining. Cool, man. That's not... Yeah. I, I Like, I'm not surprised you mentioned Golden yeah. Sun. And you're right. Like, for whatever reason, we haven't talked about that on the show. And, like, that is very much a game that we should do an episode or a series that we should do an episode on. Absolutely. You know, we haven't really talked about the... We haven't really talked about Camelot that much. And they're, like, that, a I was really about to cool say them too, developer, yeah. yeah. I think so Camelot is a, it's a, it's a developer that we really have to focus on. I mean, it's kind of a shame that now they just do the sports games the mario sports games because 
I mean, God, you know, Shining Force, man. Shining in the Darkness, Shining the Holy Ark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that whole Shining series was just fantastic and phenomenal. And then they mm-hmm. went to Golden Sun. And, and yeah, I said that Golden Sun seemed generic. But, you know, for the time, to have a full-blown RPG in your hands um, mm-hmm. was very impressive uh, to yeah. me. I, I loved it back in the day. Um, I don't think it's held up quite well. Um, mm-hmm. It's extremely simplistic when you go back yeah. to it. Um but it, it really was impressive for the time. I played it on emulator back in the day, um, mm-hmm. and I thought this this is really worth my time. Yeah, yeah, uh, Arnie, no, it's... Arnie, mm-hmm. is it? Uh, so I always wanted to play the first game, but I know there was a sequel. Did you get? In, did you jump onto that as well? I have played the sequel. I haven't finished it though. Um, basically, the reason so originally it was going to be one single game, and they found it was too big, oh. um, so they mm. split it into two parts. So you really do need to play. You need to play them in order to understand the story. Um, And then there was a DS. There was a sequel many years later on the DS um, that I think sort of ended on kind of a cliffhanger. I can't remember. It's been a while since I finished it. But people are hoping that they'll make a fourth game. Wow, very wow. interesting. And you know what, man? The Mario sports games are pretty good. I don't. I don't think yeah. this is necessarily a step down for Camelot. Yeah, I mean, the ones that I always remember are the the Mario Tennis and Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color, um, because those are the ones that had their little RPG story modes, so yeah. I always yeah. thought those yeah. were, like, really cool. <laughs> it's not that it's a step down, you know, Pop, but it's kind of like, they don't really get to flex their creative muscles anymore. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of, they're sticking to a formula, and... Mm-hmm. If it was along the lines of the RPG likes um, that were put out on the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance, then I would be all over that. But they're not. Yeah. They're just kind of, you know, fantasy sports games. Are, the, are, the, are they the ones yeah. working on the Tokyo Olympic game? No. Ah, no because no, no, that does look no. good. That so does look really good. Yeah, they don't do that. They <laughs> yeah. don't. They don't do oh, okay. those. Um, yeah. I um, I I feel like Golden Sun to me kind of reminds me of intelligent systems in a way in that they've sort of found a niche that works and now it's basically all they do and i want them to do a thing they used to do and they don't do it anymore yeah 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 fair enough that's actually a very that's a good corollary just give me one just one advanced wars game guys that's all i want just one more (laughs) it's like the whole point of this podcast for arnie like (laughs) that was this was the goal all along i'm gonna start this podcast one day we're going to do an episode on Advance Wars. Maybe Intelligent Systems will hear it. And bam, oh my God. new Advance Wars. I, I've realized now in talking about this that I am just, I just really fall in love with game series that don't, that don't ever conclude. Like Golden Sun, uh, Advance Wars, Legend of Dragoon. Like I just want sequels to all these things, please. And I will never get them. And it is very sad. Well, on that sad note, let's take a break. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when we come back, uh, well, Ozzy's going to tell us about a game that he hasn't talked about on the show. Alright everyone, and we're back. Ozzy, 
tell me about a game that you haven't mentioned on the show before. It's, it's, this is actually surprisingly difficult. No, actually, it wasn't for me. Um, strangely enough, I usually struggle. I'm wrong as usual. Question. Yeah, you're totally <laughs> wrong, Paul. Um, because when I saw this question, there was one game that jumped to the forefront of my mind. And it's a game that I don't see any moment, except if we do a particular episode that we would ever talk about. And that is a very underrated gem that came out uh, near the start of this console generation and that almost Mm. no one knows. And it's called Massive Chalice. And Massive Chalice... None of you I'm getting a, a reaction from because you guys don't know <laughs> I have no about idea <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. No one knows about this game because it came and went and no one noticed it. And it happened to be free with Xbox Live with Gold at the particular point in time in which I got my Xbox One. Mm. Because I actually, funnily enough, I went Xbox One first this generation because I kind of try to support the one that's on the losing side in every console generation. Um, (laughs) You know, try to keep the checks and balances of sorts. Yeah, Um, you're doing what Paul has done his entire life. (laughs) Except with a little bit more forethought. Um, (laughs) Wow. Sorry, not a dig of Paul at all. All <laughs> Sorry, I'll just I'll just sit in my corner here. You please continue. <laughs> um, yeah, so a massive chalice is done by Double Fine Games, and Double uh, Fine is Tim Schafer's uh, uh, company. Yeah, yeah. Yes. and they did uh, amazing stuff like Psychonauts. Um, they also did Costume Quest. They did Grim Fandango. Um, no, well, Grim oh, Fandango was Lucas right. Arts, you're right, you're right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it certainly was an offshoot of that uh, mm-hmm. of that team. Um, but they they do this thing where it's called Amnesia Fortnite, um, and now you can't even say Fortnite anymore um, without <laughs> triggering yeah. uh, people, um, triggering withdrawal symptoms and stuff. Um, and where the, what they do is that they get all their developers, all their team members, to suggest um, to pitch a game idea for two weeks. And these developers, they can kind of make a working prototype or they can present it whichever way they see fit. And okay. then ultimately, the fans get to vote on which game they want to see through to completion. Oh, that's and cool. And so a lot of cool games like Stacking um, or there was kind of a World War One real-time strategy game that came out. I forget the name now. Mm-hmm. Um They've all kind of come from this Amnesia Fortnite program. And yep. Massive Shadows... So, like so it's like a game jam, basically. Basically, like a game jam, but it's kind of like a way for for Double Fine to really see what their team members that, you know, they don't really have a game under their belt, mm-hmm. what are their ideas, you know, and just okay. throw them out there. Which is yep. why I, one of the many reasons why I really appreciate Double Fine. Um, I'm kind of a little bit worried that now they're in Microsoft because I don't want them to lose that spirit of creativity. Yeah, I know. Me too. As soon as yeah. I saw that, I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> exactly. But if anything, I just hope that it just gives them the funding they need, and that Microsoft just doesn't meddle with them. Of yeah. course, that's what we said with Rare, and look where we are. Um, but in any event, Massive Chalice, the it, Massive Chalice actually came through this Amnesia Fortnite, and I remember the name of the game is called Iron Brigade, um, and the director of Iron Brigade also came up with this game, Massive Chalice, and he actually put it up on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And what the game is, is essentially a fantasy XCOM-like. So it's a real-time strategy game in which um, you play as... You're basically the king of this kingdom, and you're kind of immortal. And 
throughout 300 years, you have to defend um, the kingdom from this encroaching darkness. And the appeal of the whole thing is that because you're immortal and generations come and pass, your heroes die. So they actually have a lifespan. Mm. Um, and they actually marry with each other and they have kids and they pass on their genes on their traits, their positives and negatives to their kids. And so you build uh, an attachment to these characters, but you know that they're going to die. You know that they're not going to last you. And even if you take the best care of them, you know, it might be that they died a premature death at 45. Um, and so it always forces you to keep on changing, you know, your teams up and always knowing what your balance should be. And just that idea of intergenerational kind of warfare, of intergenerational relationships. And you have to, for example, assign a particular soldier to a kingdom and he's the king of that kingdom. Um, and that means that he's no longer a fighter. So do you put someone that um, is a good fighter and so you effectively take him out of your team um, in order to manage that kingdom? Or do you uh, just stay with him? Uh, who do you pair up, you know, because when you pair them up, etc., you know, there might be some lag time before they're able to fight, you know, in battle. So mm -hmm. it just presents a lot of dynamics where it has a lot of play mechanics that are really intricate and deep. And just that idea of just being able to pass down traits and, and, and characteristics down to your children and grandchildren mm -hmm. is supremely interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and so I had a ton, ton of fun with that game. Um, and so I, I thought that more people should know about it because it's not uh, being sold physically. It's only digital. It's on PC and it's on, on Xbox One. So um, I would say definitely give it a go, particularly if you like XCOM. Yeah, that I'm a little really bit surprised that a lot of these Xbox One exclusives aren't pumped more. Like, yeah. there's this one. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned Dungeon of the Endless a while ago. That's mm -hmm. an Xbox One exclusive, also on Steam, because all these games are on Steam as well, obviously. Yeah. But, like, I'm a little bit surprised that, you know, they're not, that they don't pump the tires of these games a little bit more. Like, they really should be focusing on the stuff that's not on the PS4, like this. Um, yeah, there are not that many, and you would think that they would market at them a little bit more. I mean, this game came and went. I mean, you can't really market this game anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, the, no, it's, no, of course but not. It, the, even even just what you're saying about the game, like it sounds so incredible, man. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta check this game out. You know, <laughs> it also has a terrible, terrible name. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely terrible name. I mean, I, I. I they they should absolutely mm -hmm. fire the person. It was probably the director, uh, and he's no longer <laughs> with Double Fine, so he fired himself. Um, but that name is god awful. Yeah, it could um, be a yeah, yeah, But it no. also and, and Jeff will appreciate this. <laughs> Jeff will appreciate this. Tell me, tell me. It has a very Monty Python humor. Ooh. So so oh. there's a very British sensibility to it. Um, so basically, the massive chalice speaks. And it has mm. like a female and a male voice, and they're constantly like bickering, you know, fighting yeah. with each other. Yeah, and it's it makes for some really funny, you know, you know, dialogue. So I, everything about the game is very charming. But like, yeah. what it what it sounds to me like is actually it sounds like something that Fire Emblem could could be could be doing better as well. Um, I don't want to oh, I don't want to get into a tirade about Fire Emblem at all, but the the relationship system I really kind of felt 
didn't progress over the last couple of games and it's quite stale. But the way you're explaining mm-hmm. like yeah. this game, it actually this sounds actually really tempting and I kinda wish I had an Xbox to give it a go. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have the same things as Fire Emblem where you know, you have dialogue between the party members. Oh, I don't care about that. Don't you worry. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, with you're that. not gonna have that. But because <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue, if it's it not is... good, I don't want it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly, it's a game that that does put a lot of stock into, you know, kind of giving you the versatility to play with your characters. That's um, cool. Though. Yeah. And I do think that it would be if if. Intelligent Systems was really looking at how to improve it. I think they could do worse than just looking at a massive chalice. Okay, cool. Cool, man. Interesting. What about well, you, that's... Paul? What about me? You know, it's <laughs> like when we're thinking about this question, I had, I well, like I said, I mean, I know I'm wrong, but I had a difficult time. Um, mm. well, can you just talk mine. to us about Radiant Silvergun, maybe? Well, we've already mentioned Radiant Silvergun on the show. Ah, okay, we can't. Remember, it's it's remember it's the Saturn shoot 'em up that I forgot, and then you got really <laughs> upset with me for forgetting. Oh, that's right, that's right. Oh, because yeah. I haven't forgotten that moment, Ozzy. <laughs> okay. Just 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 so you know, just um, <laughs> remind me. <laughs> but it came. You know what? There's there's tons. There's tons. Like it's not even a matter of picking one. It's a matter of narrowing it down. Like you know, Ultima Seven back on the day on PC Ooh. and Dune Two. Like, these are games that just shaped, you know, how I play and what I like and so on and so forth. What, I, what I'll what i mention is Azure Dreams for the PS1, because I've never mentioned Whoa. that on the show before. That is a super deep cut. Yes. Yeah. And that is one of the first roguelikes. Yes, exactly. Is this the one, is this <laughs> you know, the one about, I could be completely wrong, but is this also the one that has, like, that social element to it as well where you you have to talk to like i don't know if it's like kind of like harvest moon where there's like a bunch of girls no 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 no, that's not it that's thousand arms yes okay no incorrect incorrect ozzy there is a social aspect to it yeah you talk Ah, to girls and you develop your relationships with them i've redeemed myself Uh. (laughs) (laughs) but it's this game like first of all i think it's probably the first roguelike that i played um Mm. like i remember playing fatal labyrinth on the genesis a while ago as your dreams is like a it's a completely different beast though it is it is the roguelike it is the roguelike that takes a whole bunch of different systems and throws it's the final fantasy tactics of of roguelikes is what i'm trying to say right like there's Mm -hmm. the social aspect where you're you know kind of romancing a little bit the girls in the town i think I could be wrong, but I think in the Japanese version, you actually married the women in Azure Dreams, but they took that out of the American one. Mm-hmm. I, I might be even, I might be thinking of the wrong game. I'm not 100% sure, but... Yeah. Why did I, why did I even mention that? Why did I even mention something <laughs> like, I'm not 100% sure, I'm just going to talk out of my ass here. And like, I mean, Why am I not all, fired? <laughs> let's, let's be clear. Uh, if you're not talking out of your ass and you have a podcast, you're podcasting wrong. That's oh, that's 100%. good point. Good point. Thank yes. you. Thank you can't you, talk Arnie. this long and not say some stupid shit. That's a that's a drop. Redemption, right there. redemption, <laughs> right back at me, right on. That's a that's a knowledge drop. <laughs> <laughs> so you have you have the social aspect of it. You have the and I hate to say it, I like this is going to be the last time I say it on this show. But you have mm. the Pokemon aspect where you're collecting 
No, where you're collecting different <laughs> monsters and then bringing them into the tower and using them and leveling them up and so on and so forth. So yeah, it has it has all these different systems. They threw like the entire kitchen sink at this game, and yeah, I at the time I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I didn't even know why. It was just unlike anything I had played before. And mm-hmm. what's interesting about it is that I'm not going to say that there hasn't been anything like it since. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure that there there must be other roguelikes out there that have all these systems in them and more. I just yeah. haven't seen them. Like, As Your Dreams was so far ahead of its time, I just never played anything else like it for, like, forever, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's definitely like one of my favorite games, and like Ozzy said, it's a little bit, a little bit of a deep cut because very few people remember this one. But for for what it was, and the art style also is well, the art style is like anime, but even more exaggerated. So you can yeah. you can kind of take it or leave it, but it is <clears throat> well, distinct. Uh, a few points. I mean, it came out on the Game Boy Color, so yes, it that's, did. That's yeah, they translated so, it to the Game Boy Color. Yeah, so they they were. You know they were really trying to present this in different ways, um, but also there was kind of a, a pseudo sequel uh, on the Nintendo DS, yep. and yeah, it didn't even have the name called the Sewer Dreams. It was called, I think, Tao's Adventure. Tao's uh, Adventure. Tao's yeah, Adventure, which is whatever. which is good because it's not it's not great. Like it's not it's not that it's bad, right? Like it it has a base level of enjoyment to it for what it is. Yeah, but it's not it's they've taken away like so much of the stuff that was in azure dreams like azure dreams had like the weapon development and mm. like leveling up weapons and so on like this guy i i'm trying to remember all the stuff that's in it it is a dense dense game and uh yeah tau's adventure they they've really stripped it right down and it's like well what are we doing here then mm. yeah yeah absolutely and i wish i could remember who the developers are the only no, no, no. I mean, like the actual names and so on, and the team, so I could like have context for what else they've made. Um, but mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head. And you can tell that, man. Why didn't I prepare more? <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, I'm sitting here with a podcast, and I'm like, I don't remember this. I don't remember that. I really should be fired. <laughs> Jesus. <Christ. laughs> Are we just trying to get fired, guys? I was gonna say, it like, seems like everybody's trying to get kicked every, off the everyone, show. The everyone point. wants to travel now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, I'm I'm looking here on Moby Games, and it seems like um, you know, it was this, it was this guy that worked on on some of the Goemon games, um, but also before that, he had worked on Castlevania, uh, Bloodlines, Ooh. and Contra Hardcore. Um, yeah, okay. And also Rocket Knight Adventures. So yeah, just your typical. Um, yeah. You know, Konami kind of just uh, your typical developer. amazing Konami resume pre like the PS2 three. Also, uh, lo- you know, one of the low key hidden gems, Lagrange Point, which we've talked about a few times about yes. uh, Paul. So he worked; uh, he was a programmer for Lagrange Point, um, one okay. of those games that never came out uh, in the West uh, due to the very expensive ship uh, that it used, <laughs> and also because it um, you know it came out very late in the Nintendo. The original Nintendo Entertainment Systems lifetime. Lifetime. Yep. Can you imagine how much that game would be worth if it was released in the U.S.? Like how much it'd be worth now? <laughs> so much. Like <laughs> so late in the lifespan of the site, you know, like it probably would have sold for more than your average NES game at the time. Like oh, if yeah. your average yeah. NES game at the time was fifty bucks, that like, range point probably would have been sixty. It probably wouldn't have sold very well. 
Like that yeah. game. Would I mean, be... just just based on when it was when it would have been released, they probably wouldn't have shipped that many copies, even if they translated it. Yeah, I mean, no, that's exactly... no, they wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, thanks for thanks for adding that, Ozzy. I appreciate it. I should have gone to Moby Games. Moby Games is the, <laughs> like the best site for all this stuff. So, anyhow, really appreciate it. Um, so before we're gonna take another, we're gonna have to take another break here, but I think we can squeeze in. Because because Anthony has to go to IHOP and <laughs> like I, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for that, and so we need to at least offer him the option of getting to I. Dude, I'm so fucking. I want some pancakes right now. Honestly. Yo, yo. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna do right after this, dude. It's it's like oh, right up God. the block from me. <laughs> I'm good. I got time. Man, the the things the things you guys take for granted, honestly. They don't know how lucky they are, Paul. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, Anthony, why don't you, um, in order in order to shed some more light on what you like, and I guess as importantly, dislike, what would you say your biggest, like, gaming disappointment is? Uh, disappointment? Wow. If, if I... You know, okay, so it's twofold. Like, if I have to go back to, like, the NES days, right? I would say my <laughs> I had several of these these gaming disappointments when um the uh, the games would get ported from the arcade to the NES. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. right. Like yeah, because you'd see the game in the arcade and you'd be like, oh, this looks great, and then like, oh, it's gonna be coming out on uh, the NES. You're like, oh, okay, and then you get the game and it's nothing like it. It's not even close. That was definitely one of uh <laughs> I used to, I, I succumbed to that disappointment many times in my youth. And, uh, but more recently, um, uh, I think it's like, I don't know if I, uh, it's like the, the, the gradual fall of Bioware is kind of disappointing right now. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's like really sad. Like, I mean, you know, like, um, when a few years ago when Mass Effect Andromeda came out, right? Everybody was, you know, hoping for the best, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But then when it came out and, 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 even retrospectively, people were just kind of like, yeah, this just wasn't the same. You know, it just, yeah. it took a lot of what made Mass Effect so special and it just, it took it all away, you know? Um, and then this year with, yeah. with Anthem, oh, damn, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like with dude. every, it, yeah, right. It's like with every release they have, it's almost like EA is putting their hands on it more and more, yeah. it feels. It's like EA is like the Honestly. George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but for real though, like, and I think, unless I'm mistaken, Andromeda, like, it had a super long development cycle. And I think the main players at Bioware left, yeah. you know, at various parts during it. And I think it's because of EA. Like, I don't think it was... I, I Correct me if I'm wrong. I know I'm being very kind of vague and No, general, no, you're, like, you're wrong, actually. Okay, tell me. Tell me, <laughs> tell me no, actually, that. there's... There's a very deep, uh, there's a very deep, uh, you know, kind of postmodern on this by Jason Schreier at Kotaku, and uh, it just, I think the problem was that they really didn't know what they wanted to do. You know, from the very beginning, you know, Bioware actually had full control of what game they wanted to make, um, but the problem is the people at the top did not know what game they wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And so they had to constantly shift their plan. They had to constantly shift what they were doing, and they were deep into it, and they had to scrap almost everything, um, you know, because they just decided to switch gears. And they kept hoping, you know, that within the last year around crunch time, that that Bioware magic would suddenly make the game fun, mm-hmm. and 
you know, they were just kind of hoping, okay, we're kind of winging it, but, you know, something will click at some point. Right. And it just never did, you know, and yeah. it was just mismanaged. So, you know, we can give shit to EA, you know, for what it's worth. I mean, they probably had something to do with kind of like the monetization aspects. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if the game is not fun, yeah. you know, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and I think they were doing it around the same time that Destiny was coming out. And so mm-hmm. Destiny comes out and then they're like, oh, you know, maybe we want to do something more along these lines. So, yeah, I from from what... Um, you know, from what I have read, it seems like a big part of it was just that they just lacked guidance. Um, mm. they, they just did not really have solid leadership at the top. And yes, there, there were some people that left. Um, you know, I, I think Casey Hudson, you know, left around that time. Um, but it wasn't really the main problem. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see. BioWare, well, I've been disappointed in BioWare since they made uh the old republic an mmo instead of just giving me kotor 3 like i want <laughs> yeah, well, i mean I, I i was actually when i was thinking about this question i thought a little bit about mentioning mass effect 3 but to be perfectly frank <laughs> i i actually didn't mind mass effect 3 i actually you know yes it wasn't that good compared to the other ones uh, it mm-hmm. wasn't as good uh, let me rephrase the story was really a disappointment but mm-hmm. but i did enjoy my time with it and i i finished it you know, for what yeah. it's worth, which, you know, if I'm talking about a game disappointment, it would probably be something that I just couldn't see myself finishing. Yeah, even, yeah. I mean, even with Andromeda, like, people still played it, you know? Like, people still finished yeah, I, it. Yeah, I, I could not stand Andromeda. No, but I, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, but still, you know, people, but, but, then, but then when you fast forward to Anthem, it's just, man, like, this yeah, thing, yeah. this thing didn't even make it out the gate, man. <laughs> it's like... I know, man, and I was so hyped for it. Like, I remember seeing the gameplay videos, and it was... It was kind of the the FPS. I say FPS, but it was like third person, but whatever. It was right. it looked like the one that I always wanted where there's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of like freedom of movement, a lot of moving along the Y axis and not just the X axis. And yeah, it was not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz I remember yeah. like I um it, it didn't take that long and I remember the game being like $15, you know? Oh wow. Yeah, yeah and I and I still passed up. I was like, nah, it's too expensive. And I get the vision. I get the vision of the game. You know, they they were to, they were touting it. It was going to be what, like 10, 15 years that this game was just going to be just you know, like the goat. Like it was just going to keep just expansions and all, and whatnot. You yeah. know, but for it not to even make it out the gate and just uh, and like like I know what like like the thing you can compare it to is like No Man's Sky. You know. When it came yeah. out, it wasn't what they were promising, but they kind of quietly like made it what it was. But it, you know, people like it's kind of hard to get people uh, excited about the game that you promised them two years ago. That's finally yeah, meeting exactly. its promises, you know. So that's the thing with Anthem. It's like I still feel like this game could be great. They just released like uh, they 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 kind they just updated it like maybe last month, I believe. They threw an update mm-hmm. in there, but still like. Everyone's already feeling burned, you know. Yeah, and it's how yep. do you get those people to come back and play? I, I just it's it sucks, man. I feel I, I feel yeah. bad for Bioware because they were just right, like they were just on top of the yeah, world kings. for a minute there. Yeah. Well, but I I think it's it's something that I have mentioned in the past, but a company is does not stand on its own. A company mm-hmm. is a coalition of people, and you can have a brand. But you would be mistaken if you think that that brand carries weight just by itself and that will give you 
that will deliver what you need just by itself. And that's right. the same mm-hmm. thing that happened with Rare. It's the same thing that has happened with many other developers that have been subsumed. Because as soon as they're subsumed, the main people leave. And sometimes there are still good people that stay behind. But it, it inevitably, the character of the company will change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really what's going on at Bioware. I mean, none yeah. of the founders of Bioware are still there anymore. Um, and most of the people that were originally there at Bioware are not there anymore. And so you're asking them to recapture something that they never had a hand in doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's just unfair to think of them as the same company because they're just not. Yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah, no, good point, though. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, pull, pull. That's just like Arsenal. <laughs> it, oh my god it really is it's, it's, the core. Got, and, and I think it's a flat circle you, you got the vision you know what you're aiming for you want to win or you want to be the best <laughs> and you have that vision as soon as you bring in shareholders as soon as you bring in people from the outside who are there because they're their money men or whatever you want to call them uh, companies really struggle it's just, I see it all the time mm-hmm. where I work where if you don't have that consistency and that leadership and somebody with the vision and that person is able to bring everyone with them like companies mm-hmm. really struggle and i think when i was younger i always used to think like like marketing and put and uh, and uh, not publishing sorry but the 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 pr work i think an ad that's all waffle 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 talk 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 but actually yeah. a real element that of having a vision and, and creating this aura around yourself that draws the workers and the and the the staff in to follow you on that vision it might not always come out with the best results but if you've got everyone on board and everyone knows which which way they're going you know that that's that generally normally leads to success and it, it yeah when you get companies like Bioware, like you're saying the the, the founding fathers have all disappeared a Li- little mm-hmm. bit of a nod to aussie's interests uh, when yeah. when those <laughs> when those people have gone you really need people who step up to really have that value that core value within them otherwise forget it yeah yeah i mean i'm just gonna mention real quick i mean another one that i thought about mentioning about so disappointment and that's uncharted 3 mm-hmm. um and uncharted 3 was a game that i was really looking forward to because uncharted 2 was one of the best games of that generation and i was just thinking you know they're gonna do great things but there had been a lot of things that i had been very concerned by when i had seen the previews it's just that i didn't really see a a kind of cohesiveness to it and they had mentioned that they actually did the set pieces first before they did the story and i was like that doesn't really make much sense to me i mean yeah yeah and then when i played the game like that really came through it's like none of this is connected it just just a bunch of disjointed set pieces yeah it, 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 it feels like they've thrown it together because it sounded cool yeah. But it doesn't really make sense in the narrative scope of things. And I was really happy after the fact that, you know, Uncharted kind of went away from that. And mm-hmm. I, I love Amy Hennig. I think Amy Hennig is a terrific and legendary, uh, you know, writer for the medium. But I was really happy that someone else took the reins because um, I felt like there was just kind of like a case of diminishing returns for that franchise where it had to go bigger and better. And I don't think that was necessarily you know, where it needed to go. And so to mm-hmm. see Uncharted 4 kind of going back to basics into a more intimate story was really good. Um, but I, I think that's really, you know, kind of to the point that you're never going to really necessarily get that Naughty Dog magic or Bioware magic just because you're putting a lot of things together and you have a lot of talent on your team. Yeah. Um, so um, that's kind of where I was kind of going at. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, man, that's... <laughs> 
it's I'm that's actually a very unexpected answer. I was I was expecting like a singular game or something like that, but the fact that a developer was brought up is yeah, that's that leads to all kinds of interesting thought and discussion. So on that note, now <laughs> now that we've had interesting <laughs> thought and discussion, let's have none and take a break. <laughs> <All right. laughs> everyone and we're back and i need to hear about jeff's most disappointing gaming moment yeah and and well the couple of conversations we've had it's kind of really shed some light on i didn't really think about arcades in general or developers and that's a whole other mm-hmm. ball game when it comes to disappointments it really is it, it's it's, it's a, <laughs> that's a that's a podcast in itself but the one i wanted to touch upon was final fantasy 13 so mm. oh. that that for me was a big red light or red flag on Square Enix are not SquareSoft anymore. Yeah, like it was a big that makes sense. it was a big big shock to me. Of I absolutely loved uh, seven, loved nine, really enjoyed twelve, and then the hype mm-hmm. and the build up around thirteen. It was. Oh, you probably, you guys probably remember. It was a really intense yep. bombardment for about three years straight of Final Fantasy Thirteen, and it was huge because it was a next gen next gen RPG for, from Square Enix. Lightning seemed mm-hmm. like an amazing character, and the FMVs. The, yeah, the visuals, she was a Louis Vuitton model. Yeah, man, it was like it was overkill, <laughs> and you're like, man, this game is gonna it's gonna blow me away, and I really, really bought into it. And then mm-hmm. the first 40 hours were the most soul-crushing disappointment I think I've ever done. <laughs> um, it, because it was really linear. The characters were yeah. just the worst kind of anime tropes. Um, <laughs> I really... I mean, I'm not like a social justice warrior, but like... And I, and I forget all the names of the characters, but you had the one guy who had the chocobo chick in his hair. In his afro. In his afro. I was literally just about to ask him. And it's like, and I'm just thinking like, I'm not sure if I should be offended for people, but like this just, (laughs) this just like, there's not many black characters in Final Fantasy, right? Yeah. And you you get this one guy and it just felt like, right, I don't know, I don't know if the Japanese like uh, society or culture is like, they don't know quite know how to deal with black characters in things because it felt like a really Mm -hmm. strange direction to go on. And I just really, yeah. in general, I really didn't get a connection with any of the cast apart from Lightning. Yeah, it really was. Like, that was really her game start to finish. Yeah. Like, none of the other characters really grabbed me. Um, or otherwise, they just actively annoyed me. Yeah. Um, well, this was this was kind of the pinnacle of Square equating, you know, proper characterization with just being brooding. Yes. Um, and it feels like Lightning just doesn't really have any personality whatsoever. It's just she's always scowling mm. every single freaking time that I see her. She's always scowling. <laughs> um, and it was kind of like that move away from what made Final Fantasy VII so charming. Mm-hmm. Um, because then everyone kind of attributed 
you know cloud to be kind of a, a mopey uh, yeah. brooding dude which was not the case and so this was you know kind of like the pinnacle of of animationness you know where it's like oh you have to be brooding and you have to be very serious <laughs> and um and then there's like the comic relief kind of racist character and then there's a super cool um you know blonde character um it's it's all of it it just seems like it's stock characters as you say yeah um, yeah yeah the thing I remember the most about 13, and I know we've talked about this before, but 13 was one of those where people who really liked it were like, well, you just have to get past like the first 30 hours and then it gets really good. Oh, <laughs> like, don't get you me can't, started. No, you can't fucking tell me that. Like that, that's not how life works. Like I'm not going to sit here and be miserable for 30, 40 hours to get to the quote unquote good part. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I still have conversations with people uh on through through instagram of like yeah 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 you know yeah you do have to get past and then it all opens up and it's like well it it, it had mm. to be open in the first place i mean it's funny to say that now considering what we're saying about how many open world yeah, games there are <laughs> but it was i think for me the the battles uh the way that you could automate them i guess uh 12 kind of mm-hmm. had a I, I managed to break 12 into a place where i was still in control of what was going on but 13 very mm. much just felt like I was just, everything was passing me by. The story yeah. wasn't grabbing me. And no matter how many good cutscenes they threw at me, I just didn't get any connection and didn't really care care about the characters. And the reason mm. why that was so disappointing for me was because of the the big investment that I've made from Final Fantasy VII onwards in Squaresoft and Square Enix as to like, that they would yeah. deliver a really memorable genre defining or console defining experience. And when that mm-hmm. failed to materialize, it was like, oh, well, if this isn't, if this is going to suck, if this isn't going to be what I think it is, what is there this generation for me? Yeah. But obviously that's a, that's really like hyperbole because there's the PS3 had a, and, and the Xbox 360 had an abundance of video games. Like there was plenty of other good games to kind of make me quickly forget about that. But it did make Absolutely. me super, super, super cautious about stepping into a mm. Final Fantasy. So uh, 15, I I really approached with a lot of trepidation. Um, yeah. I was still disappointed a bit, but at least my expectations had been lowered. I didn't find 15 quite as bad as everyone else, but I yeah. I get I the disappointment. It. And that final act, or not the final act, but like you know the kind of stealthy part that was mm. just objectively <laughs> awful yeah yeah so yeah so that that's it for me so yeah it's it's a funny thing you mentioned like the hype and so on and so forth because like i i like kind of got back into gaming so to speak after being away for a few years and this was about four or five years ago that i got back into it and i hadn't mm. really been kind of burned by hype even like during this time, you know what I mean? I'd forgotten what it was like to be burned by hype. Like yeah. obviously Breath of the Wild, you know what I mean? Like there was hype, it mm-hmm. lived up to it. Yeah. Persona yeah. 5, there was hype, it lived up to it, yeah. right? So yeah. I hadn't, you know, all the stuff that I was excited for, I was like, all right, this is great. And then this year, mm, I don't know, man. I think one of the reasons I might be gaming less is because Fire Emblem didn't quite reach my expectations. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. love it, but yeah. you know, it's and it's a good game. I'm not saying it's bad, but like once you've been burned by the hype, it's like, oh boy. It's like you're saying, Jeff, yeah. like you think, well, what else is there for me then this generation? And obviously there's stuff, right? There's there's no doubt yeah. about that. But 
it does put you in a in a moment where you're like, eh, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, the the I've I've sort of fallen into this space now where the amount of hype that something gets is directly proportional to the amount of concern I feel about that thing. <laughs> yep. You know, like something like Death Stranding, for example, like I think it's it could be good, um, but the amount of hype and sort of like expectation behind it immediately makes me so worried about yeah. you know, sort of even going into it because I'm going into it with these expectations now and I'm just like, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself, I guess, to like feel like I'm I'm forced to like something at that point. There's a list of games right now that I would put in a bracket of Cyberpunk, Last of Us 2. Yep. Um, what else is there? Think, help, help, help me guys, help me guys, help me guys. That's stranding. That's stranding. That's stranding. That's stranding. That's stranding. I know you want to say Shenmue 3, Shenmue 3. Man. Ah! Shenmue 3. Um, and and what what I really what kind of gives me cause for concern is that there are people who are like our level of or our yeah our level very gaming of me our level of experience <laughs> also known as age yes. um, yeah <laughs> I'm a gamer um, who are like saying <laughs> saying Last of Us two game of the year or Cyber or Death Stranding game of the year you kind of go whoa 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 yeah. I know you're angling for free stuff but <laughs> calm down can you please please calm down you haven't played this game yet you really don't know what's yeah. going to happen and i think that the there's a people who who are yeah with our experience who still buy into the hype and and mm-hmm. I, that that kind of always concerns me that there are people who just seem to just blindly think oh because x is directing or because y is developing it it must be the best game ever so um, yeah. you know, there's definitely uh, uh, I, I think Final Fantasy 13 to link it back. That is the one that really kind of gave me a reality check. Mm. Yep, fair. Yeah. And I guess I guess we kind of I don't want to say we need it from time to time because none of us really want it. But yeah, you know, it, it's good to be reminded that not all that glitters is gold. Um, That's right, Arnie. Your biggest gaming disappointment. All right, so I was telling you on break that I didn't really have anything prepared for this, and then just hearing Anthony talk about it sort of unlocked something, like a a recessed memory that I had clearly buried for good reason. Um, (laughs) And Jeff accidentally made the perfect segue to it. Um, So small thing of context is that I, I think I've prided myself or I pride myself, let me try to be as grammatically correct as possible, um, in in trying to be as positive as possible, especially when it comes to gaming. Like Even back in the day when I would only get a few games, like I always tried to make the best of the games I had, like 10 Penale yeah. on PS1. I love that game. It's a terrible bowling game, but I played it to death. Uh, Big Old Bass 2. <laughs> I love that game. Like It's great. Um, so I always try to be very positive. And in that, like when I was growing up, I would very rarely buy things on release. Like I had a stretch where I started doing that and very quickly found that like it wasn't worth it. Um, but I do specifically remember one game that I bought on release, uh, with a friend and we played through it together. And at the time, I think I was in that mode of like, it was good. Yeah, I liked it. You know, just to tell myself that it was okay. And as I've sat on it, I've realized, like, no, it wasn't. Um, And I don't know (laughs) if any of you guys have played uh, Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus. Oh, no. 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 Oh. I've avoided it like the plague. 
good, good, good. Um, <laughs> it's a Final Fantasy VII spinoff with my favorite Final Fantasy character, Vincent Valentine. Everyone's favorite um, character. Of course, the brooding emo vampire. I love him so much. <laughs> um, and it was like, it's been so long since I've played it, but my recollection of it is that it's sort of this FPS-y type, like Devil May Cry-ish, I think is what they were kind of going for, if I'm remembering correctly. Like that kind of, of style. Um, and it just doesn't work. Like the story is bafflingly dumb the characters are uninteresting the action just isn't gripping at all and it's if i if i'm recalling correctly from my experience i remember it being very short and very easy um like i got it and i think i beat it the same night or the day after i got it (laughs) yeah yeah i was like not so great (laughs) okay cool that was good Uh uh-huh I had fun with that. That was great. Sixty dollars <laughs> well spent. Thank you, GameStop. <laughs> oh, man. it was it was it was not good. It was one of those. I mean, and I can tell. I still own it. I still own my copy. I've never looked at it twice. Yeah, yeah. Never even, never even come close to like thinking about putting it back in my PlayStation Two. So that is that is probably what qualifies as my biggest gaming disappointment. Good enough, man. And yep. uh, we we talked during the break, Ozzy. We're gonna skip uh, because he slipped in a couple already uh, while <laughs> yeah, uh, while Anthony was talking. He's a sneaky guy. He's a yeah. sneaky guy. Yeah, I, I I thought I'm probably gonna get skipped, so I might as well just. Uh, get How <laughs> stop it? I, it? I I'm hosting, not Jeff. Okay. There's yeah. No, there's no skipping of you. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh. We'll wrap it up with mine here. I'll, I'll try to be as quick as we can because we're, we're, we're obviously over time as we always are. Um, but mine was the original Capcom versus SNK. Ooh, Ooh really? I know that. Yeah. And you know what? It's much like you, Jeff, in that it was just the hype and expectation was just out of control. Out of control. And so when... Capcom versus SNK was originally delivered. I got it on the Dreamcast and it just looked, it looked really half-assed. You know what I mean? Like none of the character sprites were redrawn. You had SNK sprites and Capcom sprites and it looked completely disjointed. The game itself was like, you know, kind of basic. You know, there wasn't really anything that new happening. It wasn't until it wasn't until Capcom versus SNK two that I think they really got it right. Yeah, that game is like top three, my favorite fighting game ever. I loved Capcom versus SNK two, but that original one, yikes, man! Mm-hmm. I was I was hyped about that one for well over a year, and uh, I like I even think that the the Neo Geo Pocket Color has uh, a Capcom versus SNK on it. That Neo Geo mm-hmm. Pocket Color game is amazing. It's it is. really, really yeah. good. Yeah, but uh, but the the actual Dreamcast slash arcade slash whatever one, nah, <laughs> it didn't didn't quite do it for me. It, it it's a sp- it's the sprites. It just it just felt really lazy. It felt like yeah. there was this game mm. that I really cared about and that I really wanted to be really good, and then it was released, and I'm like, well, clearly they didn't give a shit. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one it's one of the few two uh, D fighters that I still had in my Dreamcast when I kind of got it out of my loft. 
and and mm. I remember really really loving it at the time. Um, and when you were talking about that, Paul, I do fi- I did feel like when I put it back in, a lot of the, the character arts on the sprites they're almost like magnified, but they haven't done any work to polish it off. So yeah. it's it's I love that there were like different artistic directions with the obviously with the two uh, with the two franchises, but indeed the in-game graphics. The in-game sprites, even yeah, I can see, I can see where you're coming from. But I think the second, the sequel, I only played it briefly, so I'd need to go back to that and see how how much has improved. Was it just the sprites they improved, or was it the general balance as well? The general balance, more characters, uh, better gameplay variety, okay. and it was it just it felt a lot better. It was much deeper. It, it was mm. it was the game that Capcom versus SNK should have been, in my opinion. And uh, we we played that one to death. Like it was really really good. But, yeah, the um, second Mar- Marco the Millennium was absolutely fantastic. I I only played it for the first time recently, and it really struck me as a really well done balanced game. Yeah. Um, which I had not played the first one. I have mm-hmm. it, but I've never played it. So I'm glad that you mentioned that, Paul, because now I can just stick to the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess my my question would be. You know, this is Dreamcast, so we're talking post um, post Marvel vs. Capcom, right? So there had already been like crossover fighting games of this Correct. magnitude before. But obviously, when you're talking Capcom, you're talking SNK, you're talking the two biggest like fighting game powerhouses at the time, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, pretty much. That'd be fair. So what was the like? What was your level of hype? Because I know you are you are a big fighting game fan. Um, yeah. So like, was that part of it too? Like, did you have elevated expectations of what the game was going to be yeah it was it was going to be all of my favorite things in one game is is really what it was going to be right because Mm. we we grew up playing king of fighters king of fighters 97 seminal game for me yep and obviously street fighter 2 is street fighter 2 right like that's the Mm -hmm. game i grew up with in the arcades and so (laughs) now we were going to have this game that just took everything like it took all my favorite stuff it had ryu and chun li and it had yori yagami and kyokusanagi and terry bogard mm-hmm. and it had it was going to have them all in one game and my head was going to explode and then <laughs> no <laughs> so yeah that's i i still i still remember that one like that was that was uh that was pretty rough no so i, I think that that's that's I, i've experienced similar things when franchises collide like collaborations kick off like it, it can sometimes take a while for, for the two developers to kind of find their feet with each other um like i think marvel versus capcom kind of as much as they're quite trashy beat-em-ups they're just mayhem the third one just completely got it wrong and it's really easy to yes. get that balance wrong and you can throw all the characters mm-hmm. in the world into something uh, especially a fighter, but if you don't, if, yeah. you, if those two two houses don't talk to each, well, who knows if they were talking to each other? It really can't work. Mm. Yeah, I will say the thing. The thing with Marvel vs. Capcom three, and I hate to be this guy because I hate this guy, um, but I think it lost something in the in the jump to three D. Um, like Marvel vs. Capcom one, in that sort of two D super detailed sprite. Uh, artwork that they had i i loved it so much that like seeing the characters rendered in full 3d there was just something that felt a little wrong to me about it yeah it's very there almost always is yeah. yeah they're just different art styles mm-hmm. um they come from very disparate 
from very disparate sources. And so yeah. when you put them in a kind of realistic, you know, CG rendered, um, you know, look, it just yeah. kind of feels off. And, and if Marvel's coming through as a disappointment, I mean, Infinite was just absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so because they said, you know what we need? We need more Marvel Cinematic Universe in this. That's right, baby. Um, it's, it's just, I think, you know, Capcom is doing a lot of things right, but Marvel versus Capcom Infinity was one of those that really, you know, fell through the cracks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for us today. Thanks everyone again for listening. And uh, if you need to find us, I forgot to mention Anthony's off to IHOP. He's probably eating delicious pancakes right now, but he left left during our last break. Um, But if you want to find Anthony on Instagram, he's at polybits underscore. Jeff is at G-Spot Gaming. Um, You can find us at Region Free Gamers Podcast. Or you can email us, Region Free Gamer, or um, at, oh my God, all these different like <laughs> things. I'm getting confused now. Uh, email address, regionfreegamers at gmail.com. And don't forget to go to our website, regionfreegamers.com, That's where right. we write companion pieces to most of our episodes. I don't know how we're going to write a companion piece to this one, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a pink slip, right? It's just a big pink well, slip. <laughs> maybe i'll just talk about about being skipped or something yeah. it's just a gif of vince yeah. mcmahon saying you're fired over <laughs> <Yeah>. and over <laughs> it was me austin um, <laughs> anyhow um and we're on twitter as well where because of the yep. character limit we are at region free gamer uh yep. so reach out to us there we love hearing from you guys honestly it's really what keeps us going working mm-hmm. on the show is fun but the interacting is is the uh, the gas that goes in the engine, and uh, so yeah, we're good. I think that I did I forget anything? No, nope, you hit them all. Good. All right, sweet. It's almost like I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks everyone. Yes, See you guys. Peace. Uh, if you are not talking out of your ass and you have a podcast, you're podcasting wrong.